Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. All right, guys, here we are again on another Monday night. My name is Jody Burkeen. I am your host for the Man Up Monday podcast and the founder of Man Up God's Way, a men's ministry designed to encourage and challenge men to be different. Um, that is to do Christianity and not just talk about it and not just sit on the proverbial, proverbial back row of the church to actually get out, become the man that God has called them to be a godly man at that and to be the husband that they've been called to be a spiritual leader in their home, learning to love their wife, wash her with the water of the word and love her as Christ loved the church to raise children, to be godly as well, to lead them down the path of righteousness and holiness, and then to serve in your church and then go out and make disciples. Uh, that's what man up God's way is all about. And we want to welcome you guys tonight. We're really excited tonight. We've got a great guest for you. Uh, on our podcast, and I uh, can't wait for you guys to meet him. Uh, we'll introduce him here in just a minute. But in the studio tonight, I got my brother from another mother, Fergoza. How you doing, brother? What's going on, man? Good. Doing good. Glad you're here, man. Yeah, all things well. Again, if, every time we did, like the last four or five times, I feel like it's been a quick minute. Just traveling, and then uh, had to postpone for a couple crazy. Uh, yeah, you went crazy to Cali, days. didn't I you? I did. I went to Cali for uh family member's wedding, turned it into a work trip. Spent some time out there. I got to play some music, got to see some friends and take some meetings and do all that stuff, man. It was awesome. Awesome. It was good good to be home. Uh, Good. I'm glad to have you back, man. Good to have you in the studio. Uh, Ben is sick tonight, or actually, I think he got stuck at work. He was sick last week, had the the Rona, and uh, we gave him a couple of my doll, and he feels better now. So um, making, making sure he feels good. So um man Fregosa in california you uh you did a little bit of music with some guys out there didn't you so that was i think that was two california trips ago um we went out to uh do a live recording with discover worship out in lodi california Uh, we talked about it briefly when i went out there Mm -hmm. they just released one of their acoustic singles from that uh your love is louder i okay. think is what it's called i think you got to pull yeah, that. yeah i do i got it right here let's listen to it. it's called your love is louder discover worship it's got a great sound too and let's see here and you guys got i'll share it in the link yeah, yeah we'll, i'll find it that's awesome and you guys got a whole uh, album coming out, correct? Yeah, they uh, they had me doing backups. Okay. Uh, they asked me to come out and do some harmonies for them and just kind of support them in what they're doing. Um, I've thrown out, you know, their uh, main, their worship leader out there, David Michael Watson. Right. Um, I helped him with his uh, first album and his first EP. This is their church's EP now. Okay. So these guys, uh, you know, we talked about the as you are tour earlier right. these are the guys who did the first as you are tour with me like these guys are family that's awesome yeah. awesome well good and this is gonna be exciting it's a really good song it's got a great um it's just it may it brings you in and just kind of mellows you out it's a really good uh, i would call it a good car shipping song get it in the car and just uh start praising god it'll, be, it'll feel real good for you so 
Uh, for Gozo, what do you got for us over there on the marketing side? How do we pay for this podcast? So we got a couple of things. Obviously, we got a couple of books from you there. Eh. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pursuit of yeah. <laughs> pursuit of a godly life. If it life. keeps you from reading your Bible, burn yeah. them. Okay. <laughs> pursuit of a godly life. Uh, and then your first book, I believe, was Man Up, right? Yeah, exactly. So Man Up, becoming a godly man in an ungodly world. Um, and we know it's an ungodly world. We kind of talked about it uh, again. We always have great conversations <laughs> about the chaos, <laughs> the chaos that ensues uh, on social media. Exactly. Uh, we also have coffee if you're a coffee drinker. Uh, Man Up Coffee. Um, if you're going to be drinking coffee, you might as well be drinking some manly coffee. And then you got to have something to drink that in. Uh, coffee mugs. We have tumblers. All that stuff. It's really how we pay um, for the co- for the podcast to keep this stuff going. Uh, we also have an app out there, um, the Man Up God's Way app. Uh, there is a cost to that as well. Again, uh, this is how you guys support what we do. Um, we're not paid to do this. Uh, we get up, uh, we go to work, do our day job, and then uh, shuffle home, change, and drive over here to do this because we believe in it. And so that's how you support us. And we appreciate all that you do for us. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. And that is manupmerch.com. You can get all that stuff there. We appreciate it. And thank you for your support. Well, tonight we've got a, a great guest. I'm looking forward to speaking with, uh, with Seth. Seth Day is our guest today. And uh, let me pull him up here on the view. And uh, Seth, brother, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, so much. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, I know you, uh, uh, you've got, you've got some great stuff to tell us about. We'll uh, hop into that, your new book that's coming out and uh, some, some, some other stuff that's going on, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Yeah. So I am married um, to my lovely wife, Heather, who is a professor and we have three amazing children as well uh, named London Hudson and Sawyer who really uh, has been like the driving force for so many good changes in my life that maybe we'll get into a little bit as I share my testimony and so we are living here in the beautiful state of Michigan and uh, life has been really good to us honestly so great great so I saw you're in St. Joe is that correct yep yep Okay, so I was just up in uh, St. Joe. Uh, well, actually, I was really close to St. Joe this past summer. Uh, we oh. go to uh, for 17 years now. We've gone to a family camp up in Buchanan, Michigan, um, called Life Action Family Camp. I've seen that. I used to work at a middle school there a few years ago. So we had moved okay. out to Denver, and then uh, I worked before we went to Denver, and I pastored for a few years. I was working at a middle school in Buchanan. This small okay. world. This is a no small kidding. world. Yeah. Cow. So, yeah. Yeah. So the life action has been there for almost 50 years. And very cool. Um, man, I, I, every year I've gone and, and for the week that we go, my kids would rather go there than Disney world. Hmm. That's awesome. And um, it's called life action family camp. We took uh, 13 families up there this year from our church and we just had a, had a blast, had a great time. And it's, uh, it's, it's like church, it's like vacation or it's like church camp for kids, but for the whole family. Cool. So the adults get involved, the kids getting involved. And, uh, we, uh, we, a couple of years ago, the year before COVID, I should say, we didn't go the year of COVID, they closed it down. And then, um, they didn't know if they were going to open up the, the 20, uh, 2021, but, but 
uh, ended up open up late in the season. We didn't get to go, mm. but we, uh, we went up to St. Joe's the year before that. And, uh, the, the lighthouse, you know, yep. out on the, we go out there and get I pictures. just walked it the other day. Did you really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. So, uh, I know exactly where you are and wow. I love that. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, I don't like Michigan from here on out, just so you know, as far okay. as, the, as the calendar goes. Yeah, I know. I'm Listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. So when we transition back from Denver, the mountains, I could do the winter in Denver because the sun was out. And but right. here it, it just doesn't work the same. It gets cold and it's wet and it's gloomy and it's snowy. And it's like yes. you get up and it's dark and you go to get done working and it's dark. So yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you on that. So I lived in Columbus, Ohio for about seven years uh, early on in my marriage and uh i loved it was one of my favorite cities to live in until gotcha. october hit and then it sure. was gray until spring mm. and it was just yep. like uh and i get suicidal or suicidal i get uh, not suicidal <laughs> but um seasonal depression i was gonna yes. say that a different, we did that was the different podcast we <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we yeah we talked about that uh, one other time but uh yeah, that's the one i just listened to of you earlier i think okay today yep so, yeah, I, I have been suicidal, but that one okay. didn't cause me to be suicidal. Um, sure. But uh, well, man, I, I'm so, so happy to have you on here and I'm excited to hear from you. Uh, so tell us, tell us a little bit about your story. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that we like to do on our podcast is just hear what we call the, the saw side of your testimony. Mm -hmm. uh, well, before you gave your life to the Lord and then um, after you gave your life to the Lord and, uh, you know, maybe you did at five years old and you've just been walking mm -hmm. with the Lord, which those are the kind of testimonies yeah. that I envy because sure. um, mine wasn't like that. And um, it takes a lot. I missed a whole lot of years by not walking with God and doing what I could for the kingdom. Uh, but let's hear your testimony a little bit. Yeah, I'll just start uh, sharing pieces of it and, and feel free to ask more questions as we're going here. So sure. Man, so actually in the book, um, I share my testimony that might get into in a little bit, but really I was raised by a single mother. I was the middle child, uh, had an older brother and a younger brother. We were raised up North Michigan, Traverse City, if you've been up that area. Mm -hmm. My mother um, had went to a Christian school for just one year, one year during her sophomore year or something of high school. And that stuck with her. And so she had ended up getting married at a very young age um, to my father. And that, as she realized that she wanted more for her kids. And um, there was some, I want to be gracious here, but there was some lifestyle, I guess, concerns and things weren't changing. Um, really wasn't a good environment. And we were young, really young. Right. And uh, so she decided that if things weren't going to change, um, essentially she packed us up and, and made the decision to leave my father. Um, and in the opening line of our book, I'll see you tomorrow. Literally, that's how I open the story, sharing a story from my life that I've never told mm -hmm. before. And it, it opens, um, Cecil, get off the hood of my car. And that was the day that my mother made the decision to go to church with that little voice inside of her, the Holy Spirit from when, um, she had had that experience a long time ago in high school. And she said, I want to go back to church with my kids. And so she starts to back out of the driveway and my father is there on the hood of the car. And, um, long story short, he didn't get hurt. And, uh, we continued <laughs> on down the road and that was the beginning of something different. Um, you know, 
my mother has been such a, a, a support and, and a role model for me growing up. Um, and that father role model figure wasn't always there for me. And I love my father dearly. Um, I, I've told him that over and over again. I, I just don't talk to him that much anymore. Right. But it was really raised by my mother. And, uh, you know, growing up, life didn't get easier. Part of my testimony is, is looking at her example. And life didn't get easier that day that she decided to to make that decision to pack up three young men in the backseat right. and to, to go to church. Like, that's where we were going. And I didn't understand at the time, like, what was so important about this place that she was going to? Why did she really want to get here? And she found a community and she gave her life to God. And then she, we moved down to St. Joe area where she went back for education um, at a university where I'm now teaching, actually, called Andrews University. And so it's really crazy how that all worked out. But my mother taught me something, Jody, and this is really important. Um, I say this in the book that just because it's not ideal, it doesn't mean that it's not possible. Mm. It was not ideal, you know, after that finances were tighter. My mother picked up three jobs, going back to school with three young men, uh, living in government housing, all of these things, because she was literally going off of what she thought life could be. Wow. And we weren't in that. And so her decision to go back to school, and today she's a superintendent over entire school systems because of that one choice. And wow. so I, I didn't appreciate that because that's the first, first part of my testimony. I didn't appreciate that for so many years. I just didn't understand it. And now that I'm a parent and understanding what parents go through having three children, I'm like, that was a really difficult decision for a really young mother to make. She left all of her family support and came down. And so uh, to downstate. So after she got her first teaching job, a little more backstory here so you can understand. Um, I met Christ. This is where I met Christ for myself. It was my sophomore year of high school several years ago. Uh, and I actually got expelled from my Christian school where my mother was teaching because I made the choice to smoke, to smoke pot in the boys locker room of that little church school where my mother was <laughs> so one of the, <laughs> the elementary teachers and I was just a mess you know I had a lot of dad issues at the time I had a brother with cancer at the time um and I was lost I was in this atmosphere of God and, and all this stuff but I I didn't know what that meant for myself you know right. I was in so much distress and, and looking for a role model and, and tools to navigate my life and so I was just trying to fit in with my buddy. I think he was going through some stuff and made a poor choice. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, when I was sitting at home expelled from that church school, we were in living in campus housing at the, at the time when my mother was, was teaching there. And I was watching my class play out in the field just in front of my house. I fell to my knees and it wasn't, it was for the first time. And it wasn't because I had a Bible test or because we had a week of prayer or because I was taken to church or anything like that. It was because I felt like I was at the end of my rope in life at being this 15 year old kid expelled, wish my dad was here. And, right. um, I, I cried on that floor. I can visualize it in my mind. And I opened my Bible and I started looking up the word father for the first time. Wow. On my own saying, God, I need you right now to, to be my father. Like I'm lost. I mean, even talking about it still makes me emotional because it's changed the trajectory yeah. of my whole yeah. life. And so 
Praise God. Yeah, and that was the moment where I met God, like for myself, and um, I felt the presence of God surround me, and 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 just as this young, broken teenage boy who just thought that there was no hope. And then I started to have this these experiences with Christ, and and I made a lot of mistakes in between, but Christ became part of those mistakes. In other words, His grace kept pulling me out of it in a different way this time, right. and so. He has given me a life that I could never have had. Um, it's mm. truly God. And so I'll share one more part with you, unless you have any questions you want to ask right now. Please. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. Okay. I was going to say really quick, um, you know, one of the things that I see, especially in a men's ministry like we have, mm -hmm. um, that uh, we see a lot of men who are, um, you know, fatherless. Mm. We see a lot of men that yeah. uh, just, you know, just can't figure it out. And um, <clears throat> they keep going back to their childhood and they keep mm -hmm. blaming their father and they keep, you know, sure. doing all of these things that, you know, in, in retro, well, in essence, they really need to just kind of, you know, buck up, forget mm. the past, forgive, you know, who they need to, to, to forgive and seek the father that does love them and mm -hmm. God through his son, Jesus Christ. Right. How, how was that for you? I mean, I yeah. could see this still to this day, it like wrecks you just thinking of that moment that all of a sudden, yeah, the father that you didn't have, you found sure. in the pages of the Bible. Yeah. Like, what, what would you say to men that are struggling with that or trying mm -hmm. to figure out you know, that path in their life. Yeah. So I would say this, some psychologists might, you might understand it through this lens, um, through this way of, of, of seeing it or this schema. In other words, like up until we're 18 years old, much of life is dictated for you and I, we don't get to oftentimes, depending on your parent parenting styles or where you're raised, like you don't get to decide what you're eating as a young kid. You don't get to, get to usually decide what, where you're going to school. If your parents have to move, um, all of these things, who's going to Thanksgiving, where you're doing this X, Y, and Z, but all of a sudden something happens when you turn 18, um, we gain this new sense of autonomy that we, we have not had up until that point in life. And so now I'm working with college students on a college campus and I'm sitting quite often every week uh, with several young men and they come in the office and we talk about life. And one of the things we talk about is, well, now listen, the ball's in your court. Maybe you didn't like the way that things were done. And yes, that did truly have an impact on you. And yes, that did affect you. And, and you, I, I don't think that you can just dismiss that. Um, but ultimately the story is not done yet. And so right. one of the things that I share, I think might fit in here, it's more related to grief is I fell off a cliff. Um, true story. Almost died a few years ago, hiking in Denver. And I was oh, on a father son yeah. trip, rolled off a cliff. I mean, I, I got punctured by like something that went six inches, uh, almost up like the side of my butt cheek, truthfully, and almost <laughs> like went to my oh, spine. I mean, it, it was really <laughs> oh, uncomfortable no. and I was laid up for a while and, and it was a horrible thing. And I'm still numb. I'm still numb from that. Wow. And here's the thing, just because I'm now probably going to have this numb spot on my back for the rest of my life, should that keep me from living a whole life? Amen. And so mm -hmm. what I would tell that that's young right. man, if you that have a think. numb spot in your life from something that's happened, don't dismiss that. Yes, it's there. Yes, at times when you touch it, it's going to hurt worse or it might get triggered. 
but that has no power over your ability to live a whole life. And I think that's where intensive counseling and the power of Christ comes in and all of these things come in that support groups, men's groups like this, that should, should allow us if we're we're living in a good community to still live a whole life, a whole life and a perfect life are different. And I think that's what Christ does. As long as we're here on this earth, we're not in a perfect life through Christ. We have a whole life and we look forward something else to towards something else to come. And I'm, I'm stealing that for my next sermon. Do it, do it. Please do it. A whole life is better than, or is, is not a perfect life. That's sure. I love that dude. That is good. Holy cow. We're going to say for ghosts. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about this is, you know, we're talking about men needing direction. Mm. Um, And I knew, um, so I looked it up while you guys were talking. We have one in four, according to the U.S. census, one in four children in the U.S. are um, without a father. And so when you talk about just men specifically, I saw something today that said uh, just another, you know, everyone's got these quotes. Mm hmm it out there but um, men uh, or fathers create men uh, Mm. mothers create boys Um, and there's there's something and that's not to say you know shout out to the single mothers out there who are who are having to do it on their own Mm -hmm. but the reason why counseling is so important is because we you know there's so many people out there without a father figure Mm -hmm. um, without someone showing them what it means to be um, a man it's it's mm. very it's a different uh, if it's a different thing it's a very hot topic right now you know you got uh, andrew tate who was just banned um, from all social media platforms i saw that I he's very masculine yeah, now some of the stuff that he says yeah, he is crazy does. but yeah. um it, it's just a tumultuous time um to be a masculine man right now right. in our society so what you're doing man that especially talking to young college kids that's amazing i love it. i appreciate that thank you for the encouragement so here you are you gave your life to the lord you know in this in this moment and again it doesn't come without ups and downs and mm-hmm. you know one of the things i always tell guys is that two step forward and one step back is still sure. forward motion you just got mm-hmm. to continue to through that and so mm-hmm. Um, take us from, from there to, yep. uh, and the, the story that you were going to tell us, sure. um, part of that. So go ahead there. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that I had a brother who had cancer around that time. And so a few years later, my senior year of high school, he was a year ahead of me. His name was Tyler. Actually, it's, it's who we had dedicated the book to, um, in the front yeah. of the book here. Um, we dedicated it to him. So he had actually long battle with cancer back and forth healing gets got sick you know chemo thought he was fine back and forth several years and then eventually it it spread right and so he was there on his deathbed essentially hospice was at our home we were still living in the same campus house and this is it and I'll, i'll tell you i don't know if i would be here today not just the testimony of my mom but seeing my brother because there was points when he was sick with cancer where he was begging us for a handgun to end his life because he was just fed up seriously and, oh, I, and, he, and he one of the doctors at one point had hit his back with one of the instruments and paralyzed him from the waist down and oh. so this oh, was after they God. thought that he was going to be fine and then uh, you know it just happened it was such a risky surgery it was you know one of those things that happened and so he he was going through this this time of intense chemo and trying to figure out what life looked like and we thought he was in the clear and and he got over that part of you know 
I'm not going to end my life. I'm going to accept this is, this is what I'm, this is where I'm at in life. And was going to go back to school for physical therapy to help people like him who had similar experiences, but then the cancer came back again. And so on his, on his deathbed, um, as he was dying, and the hospice nurse was there, a friend of our family, she said, listen, it's time. And so he slipped into this coma just a few days after his, his November 18th, his birthday was on the 16th of November, just a few days after his 19th birthday. And we thought that was it. Mm. But then he came back just consciousness again. Um, I mean, it was a very, I would say violent death. Um, and, and, you know, I've never seen anything like this and, and what happens when the body's shutting down like that. And so, um, I was like 17 years old and it was just rocked my world. Truly it rocked my world. And so he came back though, to after sleeping for like over a day or something. And then in this coma, like state, and then just said, give me the phone. And we're like, what? And he gets on that phone. I'm not kidding you. When he calls every single person, he's like, mom, I need to call my cousin, Josh, mom. I need to call grandma. I need to call dad who, who wasn't really even part of our lives that much at that point of our life anymore. Uh-huh. And he, and then he gets on the phone. He's like, listen, this is it for me. I know that I'm dying. I know also that I've given my life to Christ and he's oh telling everyone, I've got to see you in heaven. I got to see you in heaven. I'm not yeah. kidding you. My family, just our immediate family is sitting around my brother and we're like, what is happening here? Oh, and as I'm God. then lay next to him as he's like, what is going on? And I lay next to him, he pulls me to him and he whispers in my ear and he's like, Seth, at all costs, you have to be there too. I mean, oh. so I, and then he slipped back into this coma and, and then the next part of this, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not trying to be a spiritual fanatic. I'm not, I promise you, this is Go what for happened it. for every, for everyone yeah. in the room that day. Um, just before he passed away, he just shook his head and we didn't really know what was happening. And then he just said these words, Jesus is my king. I'm not oh. kidding you out of his mouth. Jesus is my king. He said it a few times and then he died. Those were the last words out of his mouth. And so whenever I share this testimony, I share it. um, And I always say like, guys, I don't think we understand. Like there's a battle that truly is going on for our lives. And until our last earthly breath, the devil is seeking to destroy and to take our faith in God. Do you remember the story of Elisha in the Bible when they're surrounded there in in, in the book of Kings Mm -hmm. and his servant comes to him. He's like, what are we going to do? You know, we're surrounded. And he says, God, I pray that you'll open his eyes that he may see. And then they see all of the angels and chariots of fire. And so like, when I tell his testimony, I'm like, for me, that was a moment when my eyes were opened as much as they can be opened, I think in this life. And I saw through death, God still had the victory. It's like, man, even in death, a young teenage boy who had the job at the mall, who had the girlfriend, who had everything, and then still like, I don't care if I'm dying because I have Christ. I mean, we were baptized together and he was carried into the baptismal tank a few months before he died. And so, yeah, so I am, I am like, I'll tell you, and for anyone who like I for so long, I couldn't separate, though, the psychological and the spiritual. Um, I saw God working. And for so many years, I didn't allow myself to accept that I still had had a psychological impact seeing him die in front of me because he had such a powerful testimony. And it like totally uh, obliterated all doubt like God is real, like God is real. I saw that. And so I'm now 35 years old and I'm in counseling 
for the first time dealing with things that I haven't dealt with in my life. So I would just tell like people like, just cause wow. you see God working in these powerful ways in your life, where you see these testimonies through life and death experiences, we are human beings and we need support. And so, um, so part yes. of my testimony, I think is, is understanding, um, for those men, you're saying like, what do you say to these men? God will show up. And again, being a whole person and having a perfect life are two very different things. God has given my given me my life back because there there was a time when I was, um, I mean, I had some PTSD uh, symptoms after that all occurred. So oh, God is God has been so gracious to me through all of it. Well, you know, just to give some encouragement to people who are listening, you'd mentioned that you know you're you're 35 years old now in counseling. We all need counseling. Um, I would quote my older brother a lot because he's, you know, one of my pseudo counselors that I call mm -hmm. and harass. Um, mm -hmm. But he'll tell me, you know, we all need counseling. If we didn't, God wouldn't have sent us the great counselor. Mm. Uh, that's, that's how we <laughs> refer to the Holy Spirit. So um, if you're feeling like, and a lot of times it's, uh, I had a friend tell me that it's, it's not the counselor that's going to help you. It's the fact that you are showing up day after day week after week, month after one, you're the one who's working it out. Mm -hmm, true. Mm -hmm. They're just there listening and kind of giving you some, you know, some steps to take and maybe some, some uh, prudent directions, but mm -hmm. you're the one who's doing that. And it's really the work of getting that stuff out and speaking. I think that's awesome. Mm, yeah. that, you know, I just want to encourage people as they're listening that that's healthy um, yes. walking with Christ. It's not a, well, you know, things mm -hmm. aren't going well, so I have to go to counseling. Sure. No, sure. no, no, no. We all need counseling. Right. Yeah. I would just add to that, like uh, our, the way that we process and even find meaning through things um, is by talking them out or else it becomes so jumbled up here at, at, in our minds. So when we're able to talk about it, and sometimes we even need to cry about it truthfully right. as men um, and get those tears out. It's a way that our body releases some of the pain and some of the pent up stuff. And then we can, after we get all that out, we can find meaning. 10 years ago, Jody, I, I, I couldn't sit here and have this conversation with you guys without crying, but because mm -hmm. I've been trying to talk about my story and, and seek support groups, I've been able to find healing, you know, through community. So, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about, you know, just confessing, you know, your sins, confessing to other brothers, mm -hmm. um, you know, confession, uh, is a lot like forgiveness. You know, it's, it's really, you're not you're trying to get stuff off your chest, out of your mind. Um, and it's not even half the time that you really care that somebody gives you advice. It's just like, man, I just kind of need to talk about this. And the mm -hmm. same thing with forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for mm -hmm. you. It's when mm -hmm. you yeah. learn to forgive and, and actually let those things go. And my wife always says, you know, some deep unforgiveness can be like, a, you know, kind of like a, a Shrek analogy is like an onion. You know, you got to, Peel the lay, you know, today yeah, I'm forgiving yeah, yeah. them, but man, six weeks yep. from now, oh gosh, I got to keep forgiving, you know, kind of deal. And, yeah. um, you know, confession is huge. And that's one of the things that we try to teach men all the time is that, you know, men have five major problems. It's sex, wives, money, kids, and work. And um, that's how simplistic we are. You know, we're, we're really not deep at all, but yet we're so the overarching problem is pride. So pride wraps all those into one big problem that 
we think that we are the only ones going through it. But the moment that you confess that to somebody, you know, um, for men, unfortunately, if they have a pair of eyes, they've got a sexual problem in most, most cases. They haven't learned to capture their thoughts. They haven't hidden the word in their hearts. So they won't sin against God. And they're, they're moving in directions. It could be, you know, lack of sex or not enough sex or too much sex or whatever that is in their lives. It could be pornography. It could be lust. Um, wise, if you're married, man, you're going to have problems. Um, there's not a marriage that doesn't have some sort of problem in it, but learning to communicate, learning to love your wife as Christ loved the church, learning to wash her with the water of the word, learning to, to serve her instead of trying to compete with her uh, will help a lot of those situations. And you had children to a marriage. Oh my goodness. I mean, you've got three kids. I've got four kids. Um, you know, they compound any issues that you do have in a marriage, uh, work, money, you know, those things you have to work, you have to make money. And sometimes you spend more than you, you make. And sometimes you don't have a job. Sometimes you do. Um, and it's, it's not an easy thing to, to grasp. And unfortunately for men, we, we feel that, you know, maybe it's culture, maybe it's the way we were raised, maybe it's the nurture side of us, the way that we're, you know, we, we just kind of gone through life and we hold those things in. I like what you said. I mean, men need to learn to cry too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, th there's those moments where, man, it just, it'll, uh, I had, uh, speaking of crying, my daughter's wedding was this May, mm. uh, 21 years old. And I haven't cried Gosh. Well, matter of fact, she's 21. She's never seen me cry. Okay. Um, and I slobbered on myself yeah. for an hour at this wedding. Like I'm at every emotion that I had. I'm about to cry now just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Every emotion that I had for 21 years just came out this, this last year. It's wow. not that I, I haven't cried, but I haven't had a good, like I'm talking a little kid cry where I'm, you know, yeah. trying to catch my breath and my nose swelled up, my lips swelled up. But, um, sure it, there was relief there, you know, after that. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's what, that's what a good cry will do for guys. But we have to understand that, you know, talking things out are really good, you know, learning to confess, learning, you know, find a brother you can hold it, you know, who will hold you accountable with, if it's sin or, sure. and you just need somebody to talk with, just talk and talk about those issues. Cause you're not the only one going through it. Mm -hmm. The cool thing. And the reason we always ask for people's testimony is because, in your testimony, we tell guys to have a two minute, a 10 minute and a 45 minute version of their testimony. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things that happens in a testimony is one, you open yourself up um, and you're vulnerable to allow people to see what you've gone through, how you've gone through it. Mm -hmm. Imagine how many men who have lost a brother or a sister or a mother right. or dad through cancer. And here you are, you know, you're sharing this story and you're given, you know, you know that your brother's in heaven and, you know, there's just mm. great stuff, you know, mm. they, that's something that they could relate to. Uh, when I share my testimony, I always start with, I was an atheist, um, mm. prior to giving my life to the Lord. I, I'll never forget the day that I gave my life to the Lord, May 22nd, 2003. I finally gave my life to the Lord. Uh, for years I combated Christians. I was, you know, I, I knew enough about the Bible. I knew as much about the Bible as most Christians as an atheist and could trip them up and could you know, confuse them. And, you know, I'm not proud of that. I, mm -hmm. I, I, it breaks my heart that I did those kind of things. I, 
was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. Um, you know, the, the only good thing I had in my whole life was my wife. We were married in 1990 and I don't know how she stuck with me for 13 years before I gave my life to the Lord, but thank God she did. Mm. And, um, you know, when I tell my story, when I'm able to share that, I, I'm open enough to allow other people to be open themselves. Mm. Maybe they're struggling with addiction. Maybe they've struggled with porn like I did. Maybe they struggle with drugs or alcohol or uh, money. You know, I've always struggled with money. And, um, you know, it opens that communication open. Uh, it opens those lines for communication, which allows another brother just to kind of breathe. Like, you know, when they confess those kind of things. So, um I, I, I encourage you and I applaud you for di digging deep into those conversations because a lot of childhood and uh, even adulthood things that are going on in your life that are really deep, a lot of times we want to stuff and they usually eventually come out, but I love it when they come out in the right way. And what a, what a great testimony, brother. Thank you. Can I add to what you were saying Thank yes. about sharing uh, yeah. several years ago? won't name the school or anything like that, but I was, I went to uh, talk with some young men, like senior boys who were having some issues at a school and I was trying to build a rapport with them. And so one of the things we did after we spent the day together doing just simple activities, uh, we were kind of moving into like the teaching portion of this. And so I had them do what's called like a self-awareness timeline. And so mm -hmm. they start with the day they were born, up until all the memories, the good and the bad that they can remember up until their current where they are today. And they're just going to jot those down. And so, and what makes you, you essentially, and you know, what are some patterns? What are some things that you, you know, what's something that you can recognize about yourself that maybe you haven't even thought about? Because I think at least for myself, I, I didn't do that for a long time. And so what, here's the point of telling you this, we sat in a circle and as, as everyone began to share things about their lives, I had some of those boys in that room. And these were kids who went to school together for like 10 years, young men. And, right. so, and I'm saying this because of high schoolers who spend all day together on basketball teams and stuff, right. aren't knowing these things about each other. Us as men and work and family and, and, and separated, man, how are we sharing then? I don't Amen. think we really are. And so some of those kids in that group, I was shocked to find out they said, yeah, one of my best friends, true, true story here was stabbed on the streets of the city that where we were and the kid next one goes I didn't know that about you and it's like they've been playing on this basketball team for like you know since junior high wow. another kid was saying I'm struggling with this addiction in my life and then after he said that three other kids in that room said I'm struggling with this too and it started at this age and then other I mean and then we started they started praying and it, it was like listen it's like I think that one of the biggest mistakes of our culture today is that we're really supposed to do this alone and we're not. And so um, yes. we need community and we need people. And that's really one of the focuses of this book that I was able to write with my partner and my wife, uh, Heather. It's like building relational resilience and how do we essentially not just dismiss people in such a cancel culture today. Um, there's a lady named Brene Brown who says it's really hard, maybe paraphrasing her, it's really hard to hate people up close. In other words, Jody, when I get to know your story, maybe we have different political views or even some mm -hmm. theological differences. But when I get to know your story up close and go, well, I suffered something similar to that. And you have family, I have a family and we have these interests. 
we begin to see people different. We're not just, and I'm not going to get into politics. I'm not, we're not just political parties and we don't just, just dismiss each other that we can actually um, begin to see the person and not just the beliefs or things that we allow to separate us. That's where you, well, it's really where you move from sympathy to empathy. Mm -hmm. True. That's you know, actually once true. You, once you really understand yeah. someone, it's the difference between uh, the way I've heard it described as standing outside of a hole, yes. looking at someone in their despair and mm. saying, mm, I, I get it, you know, mm. empathy's crawling in the hole with them and, yeah. and you know, really getting to know them, it's mm. really easy to understand right. and apply it and, and to see them as another human being. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, wow. I, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately for the younger generation, they have social media that is screwing them up so bad. Mm. They don't know how to carry on conversations. They don't, um, you know, they know how to be mean, but they've never been in a fight. You know, like Mm. uh, I was just talking to some guys. I'm 53. When I was growing up, when I was a boy, my kids always, every time I get ready to tell a story, my kids will always go, when I was a boy, um, when I was younger, man, all we did was fight, you know, like if we had to conversate, if we had a difference or a disagreement, Hmm. we fought and then we were best friends, you know, 15 minutes later. Um, and I carried that on into my adult life. Um, you know, as a, as a drunk and as a drug addict, I loved to fight. Um, Hmm. but you know, people, you understood where people were at that point in time. It, it, it was also a reason I wasn't communicating. I didn't know how to communicate. So I was yeah. fighting, you know, just, uh, just to communicate. And that's not much of a better way than the social media. But the issue nowadays is kids just can, they want to be mean. They want to, you know, uh, they're sure. bullies online, but yet like what you're saying, if you and I have a conversation, I hear your testimony and man, I, I feel it and I see it and I can see your facial expressions. I can see the tears in your eyes when you're talking about, you know, just, this moment when God finally just reached down and grabbed you like that yeah. to me, I mean, we're brothers for life now. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and we haven't even met physically yet, but just looking at your face here on, uh, on uh, zoom. And it sure. just, I think conversations like that need to happen more and more. And, um, you know, as social media, as technology grows, we've got to figure out a, a way to do it better mm. than what we're doing right now. It can't just be, you know, 140 characters and, and that's your life. It has mm-hmm. to be, we have to get involved in each other's lives uh, to the point where we know the hurts, we know the aches, because as a Christian, and here's, here's the preacher in me, mm-hmm. As a, as, a, as a Christian, we are called to take care of those who are downtrodden. We're called to take care of those who are poor. We're called to take care of those that are hurting. We're called to take care of those that are lost. Like, that's what we've got to be out doing instead yeah. of playing church and, you know, worship song on Sunday and sermon and then go out and then do nothing, Friday, uh, you know, Monday through Saturday. Uh, except raise holy hell and that's not the christian life and uh we've got to be involved in each other's lives and man that's that's honestly that's why we ask for people to share their testimony because i want to i want to know where you've been i want to hear where you've been and uh what a what a great story so um your brother passed away yeah what year was this uh 2004. oh wow okay yeah uh and so when did you when did you meet your wife yeah, so she she loves to tell this story, um, and I, I'm telling it more, and I love to tell it too. But um, we actually 
were boyfriend and girlfriend, if you want to call it that, in like sixth grade. And okay. so <laughs> when my mother had made that decision to go back to school and moved us down to the St. Joe area, and we attended a little private school, um, right. and she was working there and doing some jobs for the school and going to school at the university here, Andrews University. Uh, we were in the same class for a few years, and we were boyfriend and girlfriend. And then we moved to a place called Battle Creek. I don't know if you know where that is, Battle Creek, Michigan. And so I knew her and she wrote in her journal, I'm going to marry Seth Day someday. And she's a poet, like she's a writer. <laughs> I mean, and she was writing me love poems and all this stuff and at sixth grade and passed me all these notes. And so That's we, great. I just totally lost touch with her. And then years later, I, when I was going through some stuff on my own, I felt God, I mean, I'd already failed out of college like three times. It was uh, at this moment, I was living out of my truck and I felt like, God, I really feel like you're telling me I can do school. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, just a mess of a person emotionally, all sorts of ways. And so I was staying on this campus where I am in the parking lot, because this is the only place I knew this is where my mother went. This was the place that helped my mother. And so I'm going to go to this university um, and try again. And then when I went to the financial aid office, her mother was working there. And then she told her, you know, that Seth day that you used to know back way in the day. So long story short, we got reconnected. And then um, I, she, she had passed a note um, probably wasn't the most professional thing, but there was a little history there, but her, her <laughs> she gave a note to her mother, who was a financial aid director. She passed it to me and I never read the note. I had her number and stuff. And I think she was just wanting to connect as friends, but I right. zipped it in my backpack and it was there for several years. And I just forgot about it, got stuffed in there. And then wow, when I was back home, I wasn't driving I mentioned, I think all of the stress from my brother's death hit me and all the right. symptoms. And I was just going, I was going to university in Michigan. I was on like six medications, all just really compounding on my life. Um, I ended up having that backpack and I ended up finding that note and I called her and it was the night that her fiance and her broke up wow. out of nowhere. So I had this no note for kidding. several, I'm not kidding you. And then we've been awesome. taking, I went and visited her the next day. My brother drove me from Battle Creek to over the St. Joe we met because I wasn't driving. Um, right. And then we just hung out and then we kind of just have been together ever since. It's kind of interesting. God is That is incredible. awesome. Yeah. And what year was this when y'all got married? Uh, we, we got, uh, 2011. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So y'all got 11 years in. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So God yeah, is got, good. I got 32. So. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Time goes, <laughs> time goes so fast. It's incredible. It does. So it does. And how old are your kids? So we, we have, uh, well, we have a daughter who's gonna, gonna turn 11 in November. Okay. Um, so she's 10. And then we have a nine-year-old son and we have a six-year-old son. So fifth okay. grader, fourth grader, and first grader. And all right. Crazy. So when you're telling that story about your daughter, I'm looking at my daughter already and she's all, she's already tears me up all the time. I'm like, time is going so fast. And I was telling yeah. my wife just the other day, man, I can't, I, I'll be at her wedding soon enough. I'm sure. So it's crazy. Like my daughter uh, is a singer and she sang a song for our, um, our daddy daughter dance mm, wow. and uh it wrecked my world like <laughs> i 
I, to this day, I still yeah. listen to it and it just tears me up from the yeah. floor. Like it was just one of those, it's a, uh, I don't even know who sang it or, or what, but it's, it's my favorite song now. So, but my daughter great. was the, speaking of that, like daughters have such a power over their father. She was the reason why I, I, attempted to go back to school again and with the encouragement of my wife um like full-time and not just take a class here and there and i quit i was working full-time as a carpenter love that work um and still do it um and help people when i can but i just wanted for some reason i wanted to go back to school and right. when i saw my daughter it's like okay that, it, that for me that was that moment when i was just like try again and so right. God is good. I don't know what it is about daughters, but man, they'll get those, they'll get their dads. So, yeah. So I've got two of each. I've got two daughters and two sons. Wow. I've got a 21 and a 20 year old uh, boy. And then I've got twin boy girls or boy girl, I should say. Awesome. That are 11 year old. So yeah, I get it. Um, so you're teaching now. So you, you got your master's, you finished school, went and got your master's and you're working on a second master's. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm doing one in educational psychology. Okay. Um, I spent a few years pastoring, and then before that, I was working in public education, um, okay. kind of working with at-risk youth. Is more of like a intervention specialist role, and so I hope to teach down the road um, psychology courses, maybe at community college or something, and and would love to do that. And so yeah. we'll see if it continues after that. But for sure, I want to finish this this second part here of Ed Psych. So. That's awesome. It's funny. I just started back to college too. I flunked out. Okay. Uh, right before I, I met my wife in uh, 1988. So I'm going back a few years, October, 1988, we met at a frat party mm. and, um, by night, by, um, uh, the next year, no 89. So 90 by 90, I knew that I wanted her the rest of my life. Like I, wow. We were 20, 21 years old. I was 21 and uh, she was 22 when we got married, but I joined the military because I was flunking out of college, man. Mm. I just, I could not do school. I tried, yeah. I tried, I tried yeah. so hard. Uh, actually, I think I tried. I didn't, let me rephrase that. My first semester, I made a point for one. So obviously I didn't try <laughs> very mm -hmm. well, uh, but I didn't miss a party. I had a pretty good time in, in college, but a hundred percent attendance. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every frat party that was there, I was, I was, uh, I was there, but then I joined the military cause I thought, man, if I'm going to keep this woman, uh, I've got to grow up a little bit. And so mm. I got out of the military, um, after my stint and I went straight to making money and learn how to make money and tried to make as much as I possibly could. And I was building my kingdom. She was building her kingdom. We were dinks, you know, dual income, no kids. We were married 13 years before we had kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just kept, you know, just kept striving for money. I never needed school. Uh, I started a company not too, well, not too long after that and sure. ended up having employees and I'm hiring people with degrees that, you know, sure. I didn't need them and all of that. Sure. And, so then I gave my life to the Lord and, and much like what you were saying with your, your daughter, it was the moment that I was, I had kids, I had my first two, the oldest. Um, and, uh, I, I'll never forget just holding them. They were three and two years old at the time and I'm holding them both. I got one in each arm and rocking mm -hmm. them. And I just remember this was the moment that God opened the, just a crack of the mm -hmm. heart of my, the, the, mm -hmm. the door of my heart. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm looking at them. I'm thinking, I'm looking at their eyes and they're looking at me and 
I'm, I'm looking at their eyeballs and how beautiful blue they are and sure. you know how perfectly round they are and i'm thinking there's an optic nerve that goes from their eye to their brain and in their brain it's taking these memories of my face and my voice oh, yeah. and the room oh, around me and at the same time their lungs are filling up with air and there's this magical like air like where does that come from you know it's mm -hmm. like all of a sudden here we are breathing whatever their heart's beating and their muscles like and they just like in that moment mm -hmm. and i don't know if the thought was you know 20 minutes long or 20 seconds long but it sure. was just one of those moments where i'm looking at both of them and thinking my kids did not come from a cesspool of algae there's no possible way and so if that's not the case which i formerly believed then how did they come you know it's like they were created they had mm -hmm. to be created and so that's how god ended up on open them the heart of uh, the door of my heart, you know, that, yeah. that one little moment. And I think that's where, you know, mankind is, especially right now. And I want to get into your teaching and some of the youngers and the, you know, the, the kids that you deal with. And, sure. um, because, you know, right now the kids are so lost. Yeah. Um, they are so, and they don't even know it really right yet, but they are, they're hopeless. Hmm. And they're searching everything to find hope in, uh, whether it's social media, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it's, you know, they get out of college and trying to find a job and just making money. And, you know, and, yeah. and I have history. I have, you know, the reason I have gray hair is called wisdom. <laughs> you know, I've got wisdom to give to them sure. uh, to say that those things will not make you happy. They will not bring you joy like the joy of the Lord. Um, but in your in your dealings now and are you teaching in college is that correct mm -hmm. yeah okay. yes. so you're yeah. you're teaching in the college and what what is it that you're seeing um with these kids and um what what do you feel that can be done or needs to be done you are also a, a, a past youth pastor and youth leader mm -hmm. uh, and youth ministry and uh, tell me a little bit about your experience and what you're seeing and, you know, maybe give me some hope that uh, maybe I don't have right now. Yeah. So I, I do think that we need to give hope. First of all, I'm going to play on your last word there. People need to know that there is hope. Um, Amen. And I think, first of all, sharing our testimonies is a powerful thing because that, um, one of the ways we build, I think, self-efficacy, oh, I can do this, I, I'm, I'm capable of doing this, is through seeing other people who went through a situation like you and you being able to identify. Um, so, well, he's a, he's a teacher and he flunked out of school. I have Ds and I'm in his office and he's talking to me about my mm -hmm. grades and I have a moment to slip my story. Hey, you'll get there. I'm gonna share some things that I wish I had at your age, you know, at your experience, and then you can pass some things on that you learned that maybe you didn't have. So sharing yeah, your awesome. story is one of the ways which you can role model that for, for people. And I think one of the things too is um, setting kids up for success. So when a student comes in and um, they're, whatever that situation is, you have to give them something that they can uh, maybe in lower 
grades. If you're working academically, we'd, they might call it chunking. It's like, don't give them the whole assignment at once because they're going to get overwhelmed. You break it into tangible pieces. Mm, um, and in college, we need to do kind of the same thing. And I'm going to take that application or that, that method there and not just apply it to education, but to life, right? Give them something that they can succeed at and, and listen. But you can only do that by listening to their story. One of the things that I say, and I said this in an interview the other day, I was on, my wife has a podcast um, with Christina Today. And so I was on hers and we were interviewing about the book. And I said, you know what? One of the biggest things is that if I don't sit in the presence of you guys long enough on this, maybe all I'll hear in passing is the blurps of your life. And what we tend to hear from the blurps is the anger or the, I don't like you, or I'm angry. And I don't get to get the full story or the full narrative of who you are, that self-awareness timeline picture of who you are and those experiences in between to better understand. And so I think what's happening in culture today Um, And then how we can speak hope into it is that on social media with the limited characters and all of these things, we're just getting the blurps of people. And oftentimes, because people tend to gravitate towards negative or controversial things, those are, that's what's getting likes. And so that's, what's getting raised in the algorithms is these little blurps of anger or, or political ideology or whatever this is, all these little things. And it's just dividing us more and more and more. And I'm not saying it's not okay to have views on things. But isn't there more to someone's life than constantly talking about one difference or one upset or one thing Mm -hmm. in their life? How are we going to ever move past, again, to get to the full narrative? So I think hope comes, and I'll say it very simply to start with, um, we've got to be listening to people's full stories of their lives. Mm -hmm. One of the things I do in my speech class that I teach and uh, is we do a story speech where they get to share a story from your, their lives. And what that does is that it changes the entire tone in that classroom for the rest of the year, because I'm teaching at one of the most diverse, if I think it might be the most diverse um, university in the United States. And so there's students from all wow. over the world that are coming here quite literally all okay. over the world, or it's in the very top. So uh, a percentage of, of diversity. So there's all different walks of life at this one small Christian campus here. And so everyone's walking in there uh, from all over. But the second we get to hear people's stories, it, it breaks down all of the walls like we were talking mm. about earlier. Right. So I think hope has to come from understanding. And, and in Kristen Neff, she writes about this uh, self-compassion it has to come from understanding that we're all having a shared experience of humanity. And also uh, what I've been saying lately is that we're eternal beings having a human experience here on earth. Mm, And so if we just get in the finite, um, the finite experience here on earth, we're going to lose hope. We have to share our, our finite experiences here of death and sorrow and disappointment and dad wasn't there and all of these things that have happened. But then we know also need to collectively as a human race point towards the infinite life of which to come and that's in heaven. So we, that doesn't happen in isolation. That happens in community. So yeah, yeah. totally. That's really good. Uh, that's yeah. And that's where, you know, I think the last couple of years have really screwed yes. up uh, yep. that that mindset of community and, and, you know, just, I mean, kids were out of school and, you know, even adults, you know, I think, I I don't think we've seen the true um, Mm -hmm. issue of the pandemic yet. And, you know, as somebody who's going into uh, counseling and uh, psychology, you you know, maybe you can um, shed a little light on this, but 
what I'm seeing as a pastor is that, you know, uh, there are more marriage problems. Mm. Uh, there are more kid problems there. Mm. You know, there's a lot of issues that are coming out, um, sure. you know, pre pandemic or post pandemic, uh, that have, um, uh, have, what's the word I'm looking for? I just went brain dead. They, sure. they, they've agitated, um, couples, they've agitated mm -hmm. families. They've, you know, just because everybody was so isolated for so long. Um, and now they're trying to figure out how to get back into community. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm even watching my own kids, uh, just try, you know, watching them trying to figure out how to get back. And, and, you know, here in St. Louis, we've been back to school for a long time. It, you know, mm -hmm. I think we, after 2020, they went back relatively quick in, in August or September, again, with social distancing mm -hmm. and masks, which made it even, you know, harder sure. a lot of times. And then, you know, the second somebody would get COVID or the flu or whatever, you know, the whole school would basically shut down. So mm -hmm. there's this, there's this, um, um, it's just a, it's just a, a, a lingering of, you know, that lack of community for mm -hmm. so long. And some of these kids, you know, I mean, they were young, you know, they're, they're young and still trying to figure this out. And I hope they don't feel that that's the norm. And mm -hmm. I just wanted to know from your perspective, yeah. if you're seeing major impact in colleges, um, is it a major problem? Um, and is it starting to become better? Um, let, are they trying to figure it out? I'll tell you this. Um, let me start with the youth experience. Um, so during the pandemic was a time when uh, I was the youth pastor. And then my, the same week, um, and rightly so the head pastor of my church, um, no one knew the pandemic was hitting. Right. And so right. that was a newer youth pastor in it for about a year or so. And then he took a, another pastoring job that was seemed to be a better fit and really happy that he was able to do that. And then the pandemic hit a few, a few months later, or no, sorry, a few days later. And right. so the church shut down. And so we didn't get to meet together for a long time in person. And then we had outdoor church and then we slowly came back together. But I want to tell you that, um, when I started pastoring there, that there was no youth in that youth room. There's one or two. Mm -hmm. And by the end of, there's a picture around that pandemic time, there's like 30 or maybe 20 ish youth up in front of our church. Wow. What it, and it's not a testament to me, it's a testament to my youth leaders that were in that room. Um, when I think, what I think is needed because the kids today didn't create the problem. So the cell phone issues, they were handed that, you know what I'm saying? Like they, right. they, this is something we gave them access to the internet and all these things and social media. They are growing up in this. They are not the ones who created all this. And so now we're going, oh right. man, this generation, which is the most gen depressed generation. Oh, what are we going to do with them? It's like, well, we kind of created some of this for them. And so first and foremost, I have to take responsibility. We have to take responsibility for this, but these are kids. Um, but what I learned through my youth leaders, and so there's a, I think it's a, a meta-analysis where there's a study out of Harvard that looked at all the data on, on what impacts kids in education setting, and it was having one adult in their life. So when they looked at test scores, and I'm going to equate this to ministry and youth experience and all that in just a second here, but when they were looking at what impacts uh, academic achievement for at-risk kids, it was having an adult who sat there with them and who was patient with them. 
But here's the thing, their grades went up, whether or not it didn't matter whether or not the adult was competent in that academic subject. It was having that an, an adult to sit by their side who was caring and who said, you can do this. Hey, let's try again, bud. You know, whatever that looks like. And right. they were able to create that trusting relationship that they weren't going to be condemned if they made a mistake in their homework or whatever that was. Oh, so I was here. <laughs> yeah, I was fortunate enough to have youth leaders who had that same mindset. And oh. what happened is was, I mean, I, I have a picture of this and I remind myself when I'm like, God, where are you at this moment in my life? I need you. I look at that picture and I see all these kids lined up with the youth leaders and how like 20 of those kids that year went from nothing to then 20 kids coming and all giving their life to Christ through baptism, wow. because I had individual adults. And some of these kids were coming from homes who they didn't have fathers in the home, many of them. But I had men in that youth group who fathered these kids. And so... Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things we need to look at as we're looking at the big problem is also look at the individual, at the individual impact at that level. Oh, that's good. And so if we're looking to make a difference, I truly believe like if you don't have kids or your kids are grown, be a mentor to someone. They mm. need you. Right. When I was working as a dean of students, um, I, I had a, a particular young man who... Uh, didn't like me very much, put it that way. And so unfortunately <laughs> I had to, I had to sus suspend him a, a few times from school, et cetera. And we, you know, we, we had our moments when we'd have to work together, you know, but here's the thing at the end of that school year, he passed a note to me and said, Mr. Day, thank you for keeping me safe. Mm. And so because I allowed that student, and this is because I've had people do this for me. I was able to, this is a Barna study. Those who are shown much right. forgiveness, give much forgiveness. And I've had much right. forgiveness, radical forgiveness. So I had more patience because I've been shown that by other men in my life, even though my father wasn't there. And so it takes time. And I think as men, and I'm learning more and more like, and, and I'm not perfect, but I, I've learned that if we can be there for for these young men and these young girls or whatever it is in their lives that they're going through and we can't judge and we don't judge them. We first listen to them. We get the whole narrative of their life, let them get everything right. out and we build a relationship with them. Then there's that opportunity to, to make an impact, but that mm -hmm. comes through time and patience. And honestly, like for me, it, truly, like I need the aid of the Holy spirit in those moments. So, Oh, totally. Yeah. I think we screw a whole lot up if we don't have the Holy Spirit involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely. That's when we try to start giving our opinion and yep. ideas and different and I've things. I've done it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, trust me, I have too. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, in Christianity, it's easy to live off the mountaintop experience. Yeah, yeah. For a little while, you know, that you, you, you can keep preaching and teaching the same things, but you've got to have that revelation every now and then where God mm -hmm. just comes in and rocks your world and, um, and adding to, and that's the great thing about a testimony is that your testimony is never ending. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, and what's cool about conversations and you're able to sit down with somebody eye to eye, mm -hmm. uh, having a cup of coffee or anything, you can you can maneuver your testimony to wherever the moment is, you know, it mm. could be, it could be, man, my testimony, you know, six weeks ago when something happened to me, uh, compared to, you know, sharing my whole testimony. So sure. as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, man, that testimony is going to change too. So sure. yeah, I've been, I've been really praying for our youth, 
um, and our kids coming up because they are indoctrinated with um, an, an, an ungodly uh, educational system, ungodly social media system, an ungodly uh, unfortunately, you, I don't know if you just read the study that came out that talked about, um, United States would have like 30% Christian by the year mm. 2050 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, less than 30 years, we're looking at a, a Christian, uh, nation that that's not Christian nation anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about this too. Like even, even the Christian nation, I don't know what it is now. But you just go into churches and you sit down and you talk to individuals and like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Cool. What do you tell me about the gospel? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they just look they at you no during clue. the headlights. Right. They, they don't know what the gospel is. Right. Um, mm. You know. Hey, yeah, I pray. I go to heaven. You know, if I go to church, it's this. Um, we stick to this if-then relationships right. with God, which should, there there are some if-then things. Um, but you know, at thirty percent, you're, you're maybe looking at maybe ten percent of that <clears throat> third. Yeah, in actuality, it's probably yeah. ten that are that are pursuing. We were talking about this before we came on. Is in everyone's Christian walk, um, including especially actually in those in ministry, um, you can get focused so focused on the ministry that you lose. You, know, you don't lose your relationship, but your relationship dwindles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was kind totally. of lamenting to pastors. My uh, my personal prayer life right now is just trash. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just weak. And um, it's the realization of that, and then where you go to it, like wh- where you run to after that. Um, but I think it all. I said all that to say this: it's the influence, it's the amount of noise that is everywhere else in our lives that's feeding into our lives with social media, with the news, with life, with hustle, with bustle, with, with, you know, being a, I'm the same age as you, uh, 37 years old and trying to make a life for myself, trying to, to make a living and, and all those things, you know, it it almost feels like the kids don't have a chance. Mm. Uh, Um, I mean, that's, that's my, that's what I'm seeing on this side because I'm experiencing it myself. I feel like I don't have a chance. Um, so uh, I know you're running into it uh, quite a bit. How much of the social media distraction, if you will, plays into where those kids' mental health is at? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I think it definitely can have a, a negative impact for sure. I mean, no one would argue because the thing is, is that people, the way that we portray people ourselves online is not actually who we are. That's the reality of it. And so I will post all the, typically, you know, for myself, I'll try to post the best things about myself online. Um, but that's, we often don't get to see the other side of, of who that person is or, or who we are online isn't really who that person is. I've, we've had, my wife and I have like, we, we, <laughs> we joke about this because we've been on outings with people where they were bickering the whole time um and then they would post a picture of that outing that they were on with us and said best night ever and post a picture <laughs> of it and so that's and we're like and my wife and i are laughing because we're like what that is not how that night went did they go so, out again did they yeah, go out no yeah, yeah. That so that's sometimes like that's the issue with social media part of the issue is is that we get to be whoever we want through a picture or through a snapshot and again we that's not the full narrative and so whether it's 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 a being subject or, or or looking at things that maybe will influence your belief system, or whether it's um, this unattainable 
type of Christianity because everyone's posting the perfect side of them and their night. And we never get to see at moments that, oh, wait a minute, this person is actually a broken person too. Um, no one saw the bickering before that pit, that picture was posted. And well, my marriage isn't good because they're always posting pictures of their marriage and they're always happy. And so we create these this false reality that no one can live up to. And so um, I think that's some of the issues with it for sure. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Well, thank you for your insight on that. Um, you know, just when I, I knew that you were talking with youth and that you're teaching them, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in school right now. I'm finishing my, uh, bachelor's in theology, awesome. I'm going to cemetery school is going to kill me. <laughs> I heard that. Um, I've heard that term before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, getting, I'm going to end up getting my master's too. So it's kind awesome. of a, a dual uh, enrollment. So I'm working sure. on some master stuff as well, but I'm the young or the youngest, I'm the oldest guy there by like 35 years, it seems like. And I just see some of these kids, um, you know, that are just, you know, I, again, they've got a lot of years to get some wisdom. Mm-hmm. And um, it just seems like they're all battling with the same things. And I can only imagine that all the kids are, are kind of, battling that I'm watching my own kids. My first two kids, we, uh, we homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And so then my wife got cancer in 2015. Oh, sorry to hear that. Healed. Well, thank you. But she was healed in Jesus name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we sent our other two kids to public school and man, there's just a, a different world, uh, just completely polar opposite of where our older kids, you know, kind of mentally uh, went to. And we, I just, I'm just seeing a lot of issues. And so I was hoping to, and I did glean some stuff from what you said. I love, I love what you said is, you know, we just, we have to be a, a, a conduit of hope uh, in listening to them. And um, man, that, that really spoke to me. So, uh, cause I, I've got a, a, a son, 11 year old son, who's not really good in school massively good in sports, like sure. just, just sure. outrageously good in sports Awesome, and, um, just not good in school. And I tend to lean a little bit hard on him and, you know, just what you said there, just being in his presence will probably do him a lot more than me mm-hmm. trying to, to beat him down there. So, well, let's yeah, talk yeah. about your, um, let's talk about your book. I'm really sure. excited about that. I do have a copy of it and I'm going to, uh, uh, give it a once over here in a little while, but, sure. um, so, so tell us about the book. It's called I'll see you tomorrow. Is that yes. correct? Yep. Okay. Uh, written by you and your wife, Heather. Yep. And, um, you guys, uh, how long have you been working on it? You know, we, we started, it feels like a couple of years ago because it's such okay. a process. And then you go back and forth with the editing and it, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, but, um, it just came out October four. So okay. very recently. And so we're really excited about it. And, uh, she is the, the, I'll say the academic voice in it, speaking her, her research and stuff. She's a communication professor and she talks a lot of statistics, statistics and research on, uh, about relationships and all this stuff. Cause that's what she teaches in her personal relationships and all that good stuff. So she's bringing all that all right. insight. And then I bring, um, my, we go every other chapter, but working together to get the point, I kind of hammer home the research with the personal narrative or personal story and some of that of which I've shared with you here and snippets of that. And so, um, and then a little bit of the pastoral voice too. So let me ask you this and I'm not judging you guys by anybody, but are you more the, you know, the emotional and where she's, yeah. Like, 
in the in the, sure. in, the in the relationship and is oh. she more like data driven kind of sure absolutely know? no good question okay. no, i'm not ashamed yeah no, no I'm, not, I'm at because my wife and I, my wife's type a personality you know it took it took me uh you no. know 14 15 years to figure her out so no i wrote in the beginning of the book and like the introduction part and, and i'm not going to get it completely correct off my memory but it's like her writing process um elegant candle you know candle was burning uh music in the background and then i put my writing process adderall uh, empty cookie carton ac accessing past feelings of rage and anger so that was how i kind of opened the introduction so that was a little bit of the difference between okay. us there so yeah that's what i always tell about my wife and i you know i i, I passed her a, a a little church i mean we're we're bouncing sure. around 200 and um you know, I, I do my studies, you know, but sure. I, I study, I got my commentaries. I look at all that, but when mm. she studies her Bible, she has it laid out. Like she's not even preaching. She's just studying for her devotion. She's got 42, wow, 50 yeah. books to hear five different commentaries, four journals, you know, all of this stuff. And she just dives into it. Awesome. And, uh, uh, that's why I was asking because it's, she sounded a lot like your wife sounded a lot like my wife in the, yeah. the way, like, cause I, I sat down and, um, you know, talking about the process of writing a book, I wrote my book in less than four weeks, well, but it yeah, took me, sure. took me six months to get it edited and sure. you know, self-publishing, sure. um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of, we kinda were on, on that note, I'll tell you, we were, I don't know if you know, Lisa Turkhurst, um, uh, she yeah. is, but but we were blessed. And I mean, as we were starting to write this wow. to go through a, uh, through our publisher, through a training with her and it completely changed everything that we had written mm. up until that point. Um, and she had given us really good advice. And so we went back and reworked some of the chapters in the beginning. That's awesome. And so I just say like, I don't think that the book would be what it was without that kind of right. um, wisdom and insight. And so really like this book has been, many hands and wisdom and voices editing and you know how it is editing it's just like we've right. been very appreciative of all those the support of of uh people on our side like our kyle the guy who, from thomas nelson who worked with us and, and helped us through this wouldn't be the book it is without all that support so. praise god that's awesome yeah, yeah it's it's not it's not an easy process you no. know people out there trying to publish left and right right now and sure. um you know a good a good book's not not easy and it's yeah. uh it takes it takes a lot of time so 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 tell me so you got the book you wrote it with your wife what is what in in, in um in uh layman's terms what's sure. the book all about hope first of okay. all um and as I've walked through we talked very early in this interview about you mentioned like some people I share my story of, of, of forgiveness. I get, eventually I, we sit in the pain with people in the first four chapters of the book of the pain of life, the pain of disappointment, the pain of brokenness. And then hopefully the, the goal is to move people towards hope. And ultimately we need each other here on earth because we're all trying to head to the same place. Um, and so ends with hope, but there's a lot of research and data and I throw some of the human service counseling stuff in there and all this good stuff and in, in scripture and stories. Um, so the goal is to hopefully help people to, to understand that um, we do need people in our lives because we're all, many people, we're, we're living in isolation, especially after COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and there's probably people in our lives that we should have in our lives who aren't there. And there's probably right. people in our lives who we shouldn't have there. 
And yeah, so yeah. we kind of walk through some distinguishing some of that. I, I think in one of the chapters, yeah, one of the chapters I walk through the ACE, um, how you can get your ACE scored adverse childhood experiences and assessing things you've been through in your life and what does that look like? So it's real practical advice and knowledge and creating a sense of self-awareness and then fostering my wife walks through things like friendship rules um some of the data on all that kind of stuff and why we need people how we're created for relationship mm, right. and all this good stuff um and so that is the book and the title is from i don't know if you've seen the last dance with michael jordan right mm, we right. were watching this in denver one night and there's a little clip in there, and I use this. Um, I'm going to use it this week. I'm going to speak at a university chapel, this clip, and where they lost to Orlando Magic, and one of his coaches like, go home, Jordan. You know, we'll try again next season. And he says, no, I'll see you tomorrow. And he says, if people are going to show up, they deserve to get my best. I deserve mm. to give them my best. And so we took that, and we ran with it in, in life, like, what does that look like to say, I'll see you tomorrow when we've encountered disappointment? What does that look like in relationships when we encountered um, things that aren't good? And we talk about forgiveness. I have a chapter in there on forgiveness. I, want, I wanted to mention that earlier as we were talking, because forgiveness is not just something we give the other person. Sometimes we're going, how do I forgive someone who has hurt me so deeply in my life? Like, right. they're not sorry. Like, forgiveness is also you restoring you unto yourself, right? Mm. It's you gaining back a piece of yourself. Right. Whether or not that person is is sorry for what they did, um, and so there's some research on that from Barna and some from John Hopkins Hospital mm -hmm. on on how forgiveness benefits us. So a lot of practical advice on that that hopefully will benefit people in their own lives and in a real um, meaningful way too. Amen. Amen. I uh, I tell the story. I've just recently started telling the story, you know, you're talking about, you know, just trying to uncover some childhood traumas sure. and different things like that. I was sure. molested when I was I'm so sorry. Uh, nine or 10 years old by my baseball coach. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, I found out <clears throat> just through casual conversation uh, when I was like 11 or 12 that yeah. a couple of other guys, I don't even know how we, we, they both the guys that were molested along with me were, uh, we were all staying on night together and we didn't know sure. anything that was going on or anything like that. And, um, we ended up, you know, uh, telling our parents, our parents did the right thing. The guy ended up getting 30 plus years in jail. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, early on we, we did the right thing, but for years, you know, I, I was mad. Like I was mm -hmm. just, I was mad. I couldn't wait for him to get out of jail cause I was going to kill him. And, um, you know, through high school, I, I probably was a lot more promiscuous because there was a, you know, a certain point in time where I thought, was it my fault? Am I gay? Like, you know, all of these things just went through my head and I couldn't figure out what it, what it was. And I finally, you know, years go on and in my head in the military, uh, I became an expert marksman. And uh, I could shoot uh, without a scope, 300 yards out, 30 for 30 with an M16, not, you know, not even think twice about it. And I thought, this is how I'm going to kill him. Mm -hmm. This was in, this was in 1990, 91. And, uh, I had it all planned out. You know, I knew exactly where he was in prison and, um, you know, fast forward a few years later, I give my life to the Lord. Um, I'm still keeping tabs on him. You know, I'm still, you know, God's working on me. I quit cussing. I quit drinking. I quit doing drugs. I quit, 
you know, all these outward things, man. And I just kept stuffing my anger and my anger and my anger. And I had an incident with a guy that I was discipling and he and I ended up getting on a fight. And, uh, I was the assistant pastor of a church and, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was in a very public place. And, uh, uh, because he ended up headbutting me while he was drunk one time. And it was just kind of, it was, I just lost it all. And I thought, I, and I, I left the fight and I went to the church and I thought, why, what was that? Like, where did that come from? God, I've been, you know, I've been, I just been working on everything, man. My marriage is getting good. I'm being a good father. I'm discipling people like all of this stuff. And I, I went to the church, the church was closed and I just went in and I called my elders. I called the pastor and I told them all what happened. And I just went to the altar and I just started crying and I started praying and, um, all of a sudden there was this moment. It was just me and God. I was in the darkness of the, the sanctuary. I'm laying at the altar and I'm just like, what is going on? And <clears throat> I remember God telling me, he said, you've got to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, right. And, uh, he's like, no, you have to forgive him. He said, that's the only way that you're going to lose this anger. And right there on the altar, I forgave him. And, you know, I had this plan in my head. I had the weapon. I had everything, you know, the day that he was going to get it, I could pick him out from 300 yards out and drive off in my car. You know, that's why it, 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 it was like a movie in my head, but more likely it'd probably be me ended up in jail is what it would have ended up happening. But I forgave him right then, right there. I don't know how, but I know how it was the power of God through his Holy spirit. And, um, I, I just remember feeling the weight of the world just gone, like just, just completely gone. And I thought, wow, what a waste of life that I've wasted, you know, all this time with his anger and this hatred and this thought. And he's probably been sitting in jail and never thought twice about it. So fast forward a couple months later, he gets out of jail, like just out of the blue, just gets, ends up getting out of jail. And, um, there was this moment that I thought, you know, and then I thought, I thought, man, I'll, I'll just go ahead and still do it. And then I thought, I, I don't feel that anger anymore. I don't feel that pain. I don't feel that hatred. I don't feel, you know, all of that. It's the first time, you know, my, my wife and I had been married probably 15 years. I confessed it to her. Like it, it was just one of those moments where it took me to a place to where it, it, I had to, I had to lose it almost lose it to, to really gain it all. And, um, my point in telling you all that is that it's forgiveness. Like that's what, that's what cures. That's what will help the ailment. Uh, a lot of times in your, and it, and again, you know, sometimes it comes up, sometimes it doesn't majority of the time, 99% of the time I am free of that hatred. I'm free of that anger. And I pray that God wrecks his world somehow, some way. And, um, you know, I still, I still, uh, check on the, the, the internet to make sure he's still alive and where he is and all that kind of stuff. So I know he's still alive, but I pray Mm. that, you know, that God, God heals him somehow, some way, Mm. uh, because he healed me. And, um, uh, I, I can't wait to read your chapter on forgiveness because it's, uh, it's something that, you know, it's, it's a learned, um, it's, it's a learned process. Yeah. Thank you, by the way, for, you know, sharing that, um, 
I'm, maybe I'm sure you've shared it before on here, but um, I don't know that I have. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, did I? Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I did one other time. So he yeah. talks about killing this guy every week. I don't think he's forgiving <laughs> him at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They've only shared it one other time. <laughs> okay. No, honestly, like, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who needed to hear that tonight. And um, so yeah. this is what I mean, uh, Jody, by sharing your story, like. People are going to see you differently if this is the first time they're tuning in and they're hearing yeah. your story about that. And they're saying like, oh, if, if, if there's hope for Jody, maybe there's hope for me, you yeah. know, someone might be. And so that doesn't mean that things don't come back up. Um, right. One of the examples that my wife, when I'm sometimes working with young men who are, are struggling with things and for, and whether forgiving themselves or, or whatever that looks like in their lives, um, she said like, I want you to, I take a marker on, on the whiteboard in my classroom, at, but once in a while I want to have a student stay afterwards. Uh, it's really interesting, really good way to look at this. And they're struggling with maybe it's an issue or maybe it's a topic of forgiveness or whatever that thing is. And they go, you know, I was doing so good. And then all of a sudden that thing came back to me and I felt triggered, you know, and whether they made a mistake or they felt a feeling of anger or whatever that was. And they go, I'm never going to get over this. And I said, I want you to take a marker um, and you put that X on the board and we're going to say, let's just start. Did you, how many days do you think that you've kept from doing this? Okay. So we'll mm -hmm. put like 40 or 50 X's and then we'll put a circle for that day of last week that they felt that feeling again. And then we'll continue right. writing our X's and I'll say. 10 years ago, would you have had that many X's or those many days where you didn't have this feeling where you didn't do that thing you wish you didn't do? And they'll say, no, it was like every day. And so um, for us, like, I think in life, like as long as we're here on this earth, like, I don't know, if it's, it's a daily thing and we're going to have triggers and, and there might be certain things like, that's why we need support groups to, to, hold, to help us through things. Yeah. But there's going to be days in our lives where we're going to be like, oh man, I'm angry about this. I thought, God, I had given this to you. Well, look at you just went 60 days, all these X's on the board where you were living your life. And yeah, you were in a situation where you got triggered by that, right? Mm. Um, but that's really not defining who you are anymore. And so uh, again, it goes back to being whole and, and, and living in, in perfect life. And I, I can't imagine like the things that you've had to wrestle with, with God. And I, I know that your story is going to give people who are feeling like, well, I'm in this circle again in my life. I'm feeling angry today, or I'm upset people who've gone through that. And that's such an issue in today's culture. Mm. Um, such a horrible thing that's happening. I'm sure that you're giving a lot of people hope right now. So thank you for sharing Amen. that. Yeah, Amen. Truly, oh, truly, truly, it's all, truly. I give glory to God because I'm not that strong um, <sighs> you know, in the flesh. I, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do, but, sure. you know, in the spirit and, you know, as I grow older, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you just forgiveness is huge, you know, and again, it's most of the time it's not for the other person. It's for you. Right. You know, I've always, I've always said unforgiveness is like drinking acid and hoping the other person dies. Um, it, it, uh, it's just killing you. It's not not hurting them at all. It's just killing you. And so, um, yeah. I'm excited about, uh, getting into your book. What else, yeah. uh, what else is going on? Are you guys, uh, so you got this book, it's launching out. I'm assuming it's going. there might yeah. be some speaking uh, engagements going it's, on. It's, and... it's starting to come. Yeah. So, okay. um, I'm going this week to spring Arbor university and you're going to share at a chapel there. Um, my wife has got, my wife is phenomenal. Um, by the way, uh, she, like I mentioned, she's had a podcast with Christianity today. And so she's always doing something. She's always on something and awesome. I'm, 
I'm getting on board with this, this, the, in this lane here and starting to branch out a little bit and I'm enjoying it honestly. And so, yeah, we're starting to line up some more speaking engagements, a few more at the end of the month, um, podcasts are coming in. So it's just been kind of a cool journey to see this thing starting to grow. So well, the podcast that, uh, Christianity Day today did with, uh, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mm. Holy cow. They rocked yeah. that one out of the, that yeah. was a great podcast yeah. i don't know if she's a part of that but um, she's not she's no okay. she has a different podcast but okay. yeah i think All she right. came after that but yeah what's is hers a is it a woman's podcast no um, no, no it's called viral jesus so she okay. she has a podcast um she just focused like her last thing was on healing so now she's doing what's called pod classes where she's getting different speakers and authors and professionals and she just went through a series on healing um and now i uh, I can't remember this next one. It might be self-esteem. Don't quote me on that coming up starting yeah. this week or so. So now she's taking things and kind of doing six part or five part or four part topics and getting deep into them within different people in their field. So it's oh, kind awesome. of really cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that is awesome. So tell us where we can get your book. Uh, yes, on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Yeah. And you can just type, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, Heather Thompson Day, Seth Day, it will come right up. It's on Audible too. We had the privilege to record that this last summer. So which was kind of a really cool and neat experience to do that. And awesome. So, did you do the audio yourself? We did. Yeah. Dude, so that's was, a heavy we did. Load, it was, that's... yeah, it was a really cool experience. We that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Really good company there and out of Grand Rapids. And so really kind people. So we did do that. And so get it on Amazon. I think on target, you can get it as well. Target.com. Uh, but those are two easy ways to access the book. Yeah, I didn't awesome. do I didn't do my own audio. I was afraid everybody'd get tired of listening to the redneck on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you you have an audio version of it? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a that's it's cool a big, It's still a big seller. It's crazy how much cool, cool. I'm gonna check it out. Does. Well, awesome. I shared it in the chat. So okay. I shared it uh, at the beginning of the chat. I just shared it now. Um, Thank you so much. I wanna I wanna double down on uh, you know the inst the Instagram, the Twitter, just because I know that, you know, that's how a lot of people find stuff. Sure. Uh, your Instagram, uh, I'm going to push some people there. Uh, original Sad Kid is the name, right? Sad King. Yeah. Oh, Sad King. Sorry. Sad King. Original Sad King. Yeah. I'll like yep. Yeah. You got a story behind that? Real quickly. So essentially, yeah. like for most of my life, we were talking earlier, I, people are like, Sad, pick your head up. You're so sad all the time. And, um, I don't know if it was my wife, one of her best friends, she has a blog, like a, a mother's blog. And so one of her friends said, oh, he's like, you know, he's the sad king. It's this thing on in social media that they call yeah, you the, the king. king. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. you see it, right? The you. king, the queen. And so they call me the sad king casually. And then we were in one of our meetings. And I didn't have Instagram for our book launch. And one of the people uh, getting ready for a book launch, kind of the, the pre-stuff, and one said, oh, Heather, I saw your thing on social media. Seth, that's so funny. Sad King. And I'm like, I didn't have Instagram at the time. And then I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to make funny. this original Sad King. I'm going to own it. And honestly, because I've spent like the, the, the truth and the funny kind of story behind it is like, I've spent a lot of my time living in sadness and, mm -hmm. and blaming, oh, all of these things that weren't right in my life because they weren't ideal. I forgot, remember to search what was possible. Yeah. And when I've accepted, you know what, you have been through things that have affected you. It actually has lost its power over my life. So mm -hmm. now because I've lost a brother and I've let that affect me and, and rightly so I now teach a class in grieving and loss for university. Yeah. And so 
um, God often, God has called me back to the places in life that have hurt the most and, uh, wow. is seeking to reconcile those. Places. That's really cool. So, yeah, um, so that's uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, that's I love kinda, it. I yeah. love the name. And then on Twitter, uh, it's just your name, yeah. Seth M. Day. Day. Yeah. Uh, at Twitter. Yeah. So if you guys have those outlets, uh, check him out. We don't want to miss Thank you that. so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, that is great, brother. Well, I, I, um, I can't wait to read the book. I can't wait to see what God does uh, in this season of your life. And um, Thank you so much. With both you and your wife, I pray for big things for both of you guys. And uh, we'll see, uh, see what happens in the, in the near future. I hope we stay in contact. And, Absolutely. Uh, let us know if there's anything that you ever need from us. If you ever need to advertise something, sure. uh, let Thank us know. Sure. We'll get you all over our social media and Thank you so uh, much. Try, to, try to get you out there as much as possible. So, Thank guys, you. make sure that you check out the book. I'll see you tomorrow by Heather and Seth Day. Uh, Heather Thompson Day, is that correct? Is that mm -hmm. how she goes by? Yep. I just yep. found her. Uh, beautiful family, by the way. Thank you. And, um, I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank love you it. so much. I have, uh, I have African-American, uh, twins and, uh, they're beautiful babies and mm. love the, love the mixed family. My daughter, um, is also married, mm. uh, an African-American man. And we, uh, we have a wonderful, beautiful family, just like you guys. I love it. Love Thank what you so you're doing, man. So, well, God bless you, man. And, um, again, uh, folks, if you get an opportunity to go out and check this book out, make sure that you get it on Amazon. Uh, be sure uh, to support Seth and his wife, Heather, as much as possible. Get this book out as many people as we possibly can uh, and let it change the world. Uh, guys, we we'll love you. We thank you. And uh, make sure that you share this podcast. You'll be able to pick it up tomorrow on any podcast platform, uh, I, uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Podomatic. Uh, and we'll see you guys later. God bless. You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.